0: As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514 488 3168 and see how Research FDI can help you create real prospects. Hello, this is Chad Chancellor with Next Move Group. Before we begin today's podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast series, Please go over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. That'll sure help us out. We'd appreciate it a whole lot.
1: Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Next Move Group, We Are Jobs podcast. I am your host, CEO, Chuck Sexton. Today... I am joined by a special guest. You've heard from her before, but you might not have heard enough from her. It's Ivy Stanley, Chief Operating Officer for Next Move Group. We have been with Next Move for almost six months now. We're coming up on the six-month mark, I guess, as this airs. It'll be right at it. So I thought it would be good for all of our listeners out there to hear from the two of us about what our experience has been like and, and maybe learn a little bit more about Ivy. You've heard a lot about me and uh, I want you to learn more about her so thanks for being on the podcast with me Ivy
2: you know I'm really excited to be here (laughs) most of the time most of the time I'm running the background I feel a lot like a puppet master or yeah I guess a carnival sideshow most of the time but I guess I mean that's just that's just the nature right
1: well, you're using all these terms, and maybe people should understand that you uh, have a heart for spooky season. So maybe that's why you're saying Puppet Master and, and um, Carnival Sideshow. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, um I just had a birthday. So pretty much after my birthday is when spooky season officially begins in my life. Uh Or <laughs> I make it a six-week affair. Some people are a little more intense than that, but I just look forward to the scaries, the movies. and um all of the fun costumes and the costume makeup
1: well i I think it would be good for folks everybody knows chad and alex are synonymous with one another matter of fact every time i talk to an economic developer oh yeah we know chad and alex we know chad and alex they need to know chuck and ivy too and uh, people hear from me enough so um you know i know a lot about your background but a lot of people out there don't so um your first job in economic development was in a very small community and what was the name of it again
2: Um, I started fresh out of grad school in 2012, uh, working for the city of Greensburg where I did community development and economic development and, I did the admin work for the industrial foundation and ran the chamber of commerce as well. So, um, kind of a bunch of hats on one 22 year old making $28,000 a year. So, um, I couldn't trade that. I couldn't trade that experience for the world though. Uh, I think I did it for almost almost four year no I think it was three and a half years with the folks in uh, Greensburg and Greene county um so they are still my family a lot of the times uh, whenever I go to go to town the it's like I don't see a stranger, so
1: that's uh, always a good feeling though, no? yeah, it's definitely a I really was good uh... I was back in my uh, old stomping grounds this past weekend for a charity golf scramble. And it seemed like every time I turned around, somebody was grabbing me and being like, Hey, it's good to see you. So it's always good to go home, see those folks that you haven't seen in a long time. Um, So while you were there, you wore a bunch of hats. And we hear that a lot of times from economic developers, especially those in small to mid-sized communities uh, who are in rural areas, they have to wear 15 different hats. So in your hat wearing, what would you say was like, your the most exciting or the, the most proud thing that you did while you were in Greensburg?
2: It's hard for me to pick just one thing because I did so many different things. Um, I secured a lot of grant funding for someone that knew nothing about grant funding or how to apply for a grant, um, which I guess solidified my ability to write and communicate, at least in writing. Sometimes I get tripped up when I'm actually like speaking out loud, but Um, we did a lot of really great work with some grant funding that is still paying off. Like they still have projects that are on hold that the city's working on with grant funding that I secured before 2015. Um, one of my favorite projects was a CDBG grant that we did a senior and community center in an old, like early 1950s Chevrolet dealership in downtown. Um, And it was a large facility, I think maybe, I can't remember the square footage. I wish I, I wish I did. Um, Half of it was the senior center, senior community center. And then it had a communal kitchen space with uh, communal restrooms. And then there was a large stage area, which the city of Greensburg had never had something like that before. Um, They hosted their very first uh, summer children's theater there whenever I was there. And that was a huge hit um, because, you know, folks are always looking for something for their kids to do, especially during the summer. Um, One of my favorite things I did, though, was our Jamin' on the Square summer concert series, which I got to plan. And it was five months out of the year, May through September, the last Saturday of the month, we held concerts on the square. Um, my first couple of them, I was a little disappointed because backstory, when I was in the fifth grade, I had a birthday party and no one came to it. So now every <laughs> every time I plan an event for anything, uh, that's just in the back of my head that no one's going to come to my party, you know? So I um, started at throwing really awesome ragers, you know, for a city sponsored event.
1: <laughs> they were ragers right there oh, by yeah. the senior citizen center that was in the Chevy dealership.
2: That's exactly right. I would definitely. They were them. like, Oh, we've got a stage now we can party. <laughs> I mean, that's what they did. <laughs> <laughs> How we big. So
1: it. I want to go back for a second. and Cause the ragers sound great, but you did a CDBG to get a senior living center in this small town that renovated a Chevy dealership in order to provide a needed community service. I mean, that's community development. And yeah. I know we talk about economic development and site selection a lot, but for a lot of our clients, a lot of the people who listen to our podcasts, especially elected officials and folks that are in very similar position to you, they, they don't call themselves an economic developer. They're sort of a catch-all. You did something really awesome for that town. Do you remember how much that CDBG grant was? Was it uh 1.5 million or?
2: No, um, for projects like that, the cap was 500,000 with a match. Oh, wow. Um, and I want to make sure to give a shout out to my predecessor before I joined the city, because I walked into that grant. I picked it up right when I got to select the uh, architect for the project. And then I did the design layout and just kind of handed him some rough sketches on graph paper. And the man looked at me and he was like, I don't even know why you hired me because you basically already did it all. I was like, <laughs> OK, it's not, I don't think the city Kentucky would put a seal on this, but it does give you a good idea. Ivy Stanley,
1: different. architect in training.
2: Right. I've always wanted to. It sounds fun. I did play a lot of the Sims back in the day, um, which the younger <laughs> folks may know. I don't know. We X. mean
1: younger folks. The Sims came out in like 2001. Wasn't that the first one? Yeah. Come on now. Yes. That's oh, That was Sims came out when I was in high school, I'm pretty sure. I mean, and I'm not a younger folk.
2: That's true. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> I was so, a Sims player.
1: I think one of the things that's important for people to understand is, you know, we talk a lot about our experience in economic development. I don't know if we talk enough about the knowledge we have on staff with all the different aspects of projects that communities end up seeing or trying to accomplish. And, you know, that's your work is a prime example of projects that communities are trying to do day in and day out. You successfully did those things for a very small town and did an awesome job. Only making 28,000 a year, but you springboarded that you use that to you know continue your career path. But I want to go back to the Rangers though, right quick because you, you started talking about how no one showed up to your birthday parties. Did people start showing up to what was it? What was the event called?
2: Uh, Jamming on the Square, and I'm not sure if they do it anymore or not. Um, it was something long standing in place before I got there, and I just kind of inherited it. But like, we would pay bands to come and play music and then we would have handfuls of people show up so that's whenever I learned how critical it was to start pairing multiple events all on the same day which the public works guys bless them they really loved me whenever I started having three events in one day to make sure (laughs) that we could maximize the number of people being in the community for a long period of time to try to get people into downtown and try to get people into um, the restaurants and the shops that we had that were open. Um, But one of my favorite things, I made up a birthday party for the city of Greensburg, (laughs) and I really wanted them to continue doing it after I left. I was very uh, sad whenever there wasn't a 223rd birthday party for the city of Greensburg. But I tell you what, that's probably the biggest event that I got to, or I guess I had the privilege of putting together and I've never seen so many happy dang people in my whole life. <laughs> um, They just love free t-shirts and, and I just loved making the free t-shirts, you know, like it was just something I got to use my skill sets that I learned in college and applied them to, in a way that just really benefited a whole lot of people. And some a lot of those people won't even know who I am. And that is like superhero status almost, you know, like I don't want to be too braggy or anything. but Who's
1: the mass vigilante that got people to come and buy a piece of pie at my restaurant? <laughs>
2: right. Like that's exactly right. Like we're all, I don't want to sit here and toot a horn or anything and say anything too crazy or bang, but in all honesty, like, our elected officials and our in the community developers, um, the economic developers, we're all just a bunch of superheroes that don't wear capes because people would look at us funny. So it's just
1: <laughs> there's so Who many Who says things. I don't put a cape on sometimes when it's late, it's midnight. I've had a couple of bourbons and I wanna run around the house and pretend I'm Superman.
2: I mean, sometimes <laughs> I get weird Snapchats, so that could be <laughs> something that you actually
1: do. What's cool about that is you're you're talking about these things and, and, you know, depending on who you are and what your background is, you might think they're impactful. You might not, but the whole goal of the events that you were doing was to drive commerce Mm -hmm. into the downtown for those, to support those businesses, which supports tax base for the community. And, you know, that's all great work and, and awesome things that you did for that small town. And you know, being that, uh, you know, our, our clients and so the majority of the people that we work with are small to mid-sized rural communities. I th- I think, you know, I hope that folks understand that, you know, it's not just the things that we, you hear us talking about all the time, or you see an email from us once a day about <laughs> these different products that we have and things that we offer. There's things that we may not standardly offer, but we have expertise to assist communities with those things. And, um, you know, I think it's just a credit to you and your background and what, what you bring to the team uh, that can continue to help next move group help communities. Cause that's what we're here for. So right. um, how do we make it easier for our clients?
2: My, one of the, my crowning achievements in life, I think is being able to take all of the random things I've learned over my entire life and be able to like apply them in unique ways to help people. Um, like, help one person or help 5,000 people but I do want to say how important it was the team I walked into with the city of Greensburg like a lot of the staff is still there some of them have gone um some people have come in to take positions over but uh I really it was a team effort. And I honestly couldn't have done anything without this great group of people that also believed in the same thing that I did. And that was just to make their home um, a better place with a better quality of life. Um, yeah. One of my always kid, but it's, it's, I always kid anyway, but it's difficult for me to sit here and say that I did anything because of how many other people that I had to rely on for the assistance um but one thing i want to make sure to mention is how important the strategic plan that we had uh that was recently it was adopted like officially by the city council right after i started with the city and just how important that was because not only was it a a good strategic plan but it it became my guidebook for success like i implemented probably three-fourths of the book as far as <clears throat> excuse me as far as the scope of the different things that the community wanted to implement um, a lot of recreational trails projects or uh, making or walkability projects I guess um, making town accessible for folks that maybe only had two wheels or their feet to travel with yeah and um... well, I mean, that's the
1: purpose of a strategic plan, though. Oh, yeah. And I don't think enough people really, truly you, know, you get a strategic plan done and you hear all the time that it sits on the shelf and collects dust. But, you know, the whole purpose of the strategic plan is to use a roadmap uh, to guide the results that you want. Uh, you know, we t- when we do strategic plans, we we talk about um, developing actions that uh, lead to results. And, you know, that's the whole purpose. And that's what you did. Uh, with it i've heard you talk about it before and um you know i always appreciate the fact that uh you're somebody who (laughs) adheres to those types of things because some people just throw them out i don't need this we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor
0: i want to thank location one.com some of you know it is lowest for sponsoring today's podcast in my opinion lowest is the best buildings and sites database on the market. One of the reasons I think that is it gives you nationwide exposure. So I used to be the economic developer in Paducah, Kentucky, and I made a terrible mistake. I only put my buildings and sites on the Kentucky Economic Development Buildings and Sites Database. Well, Paducah bordered Illinois and was within 30 or so miles of Missouri, Indiana, and Tennessee. So what sense did it make for me to not put my buildings and sites on a nationwide database? Well, Lois does that for you. Looking back, I should have put my Builders and Sites on Lois. It's also easy to use for an economic developer. It's just like using Facebook. It walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth. And the thing I like most, it works well on my iPad. If I'm in an industrial building, I want to be able to look at that thing on my iPad. Lois does that for me. Other Builders and Sites databases struggle with that. So if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare, go over to location1.com, book yourself a demo, and see if this can help your community have more success.
1: So you you were in Greensburg and then you moved on to the Bowling Green Chamber of Commerce. So you went to sort of a metro chamber and economic development agency.
2: Right. So um I specialized like my undergrad was in advertising and marketing. So I learned and studied a lot of best practices for developing advertising and copywriting and press writing. Um it was right when podcasting was even beginning to be a thing as I was going through that program at Western. So Bowling Green, when I went back to the chain or went back to Bowling Green to work at the chamber there. Bowling Green was already like a home away from home because I spent almost six years there uh, working through my undergrad and my grad grad school work. So <clears throat> I wasn't a stranger um, to the community, but the Chamber of Commerce there is like next level as far as the staff that I got to work with, um, just rock stars as far as our abilities. Like you want to talk about a machine, like a well-oiled machine is what we were. Um,
1: So. When you went there, and I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked about Greensburg, what was your most exciting or, proj- or project that you were most proud of that you worked on in, in that community?
2: Well, given like the niche I had, because at the chamber, everyone had more specific hats to wear, to put it that way. Yeah. You didn't
1: have I multiple was... hats. You had a very specific hat, but you yeah. had to herd cats in yes. your effort to complete your tasks.
2: <laughs> That's exactly right. The cat in the hat. You're exactly right. Um, I had a lot of really great folks to work with that helped me throughout because it's really, truly how I learned to work in a process oriented environment um, with team members that actually like worked within the process as well to deliver things before they were due. Um I once won an award for an ad that I created. Um, I think it was a SEDC award for a half-page ad that I created for
0: the magazine (laughs) that I. Yeah, it was. Yeah,
1: and I know that because I was at SEDC when it was announced. And I was sitting right next to your boss when he got up to go accept the reward or the award, not reward. He probably wished it was a reward, but he went up to accept the award. And I looked at him and I said, hey, you didn't make that ad. <laughs> Where's the person on your staff that did that? You should have brought them.
2: All right. Well, and that's what I told him. I was like, listen, um, it'd be real cool if I could go to this and accept my own award, because honestly, I haven't won shit in my entire life so it'd be real
1: cool. you thought about not saying it and then you said it I just said it you can edit it
2: out later if you want
1: no it's okay <laughs> <laughs> did you listen to Kyle Heverin's uh, podcast with me no, i was kidding. Yes, yes yes I did so but I mean that's okay. really cool I remember that ad because yeah. you came to work for me after Bowling Green and I specifically asked you because I knew you had won but I don't think I saw it yeah I don't know if I'd seen it and I wanted you to show it to me Uh, Once you came to work uh, with me.
2: Well, if I could go back and redo some of it, like it took a small village of people to help me put it together because it was gathering a lot of data, like supply chain information for um, the the Corvette assembly plant. Um, Luckily, one of my best friends, her husband is an engineer at Corvette. So I would I ran my diagrams by him uh, quite a few times and he really helped me out and made sure that's cool. I got it approved through GM <laughs> corporate to even run the ad. Um, I think it all in, I had I started on the ad early enough because we were so good at planning ahead. I knew it was coming. And I think I spent about four or four and a half months on and off, like putting it together. Like I developed my plan and then just had to work my plan. Um, and it finally all came together. Uh, there are a few things I think I would do different with it, the way it looks, but I just had a scene going with design at the time and had to go for it, but. Um, well, it's
1: really cool. I don't know if anybody ever saw that ad. It was in um, Site Selection Magazine, uh, wasn't it? Or was it area development?
2: I knew you were going to ask. We get, we get Margaret Rose on the be, phone.
1: She can answer for us. <laughs>
2: it might be, it might've been business facilities.
1: No, if, I would have, I wouldn't be surprised if it ran in a bunch of them because it's such a good one. And, um, you know, part of the economic development game is connections and, you know, you having that connection, uh, with someone on the engineering staff at Corvette and then getting it, not only getting it approved and stamped by him, but then getting it, uh, approved by GM corporate is, is pretty awesome. And, yeah, um, it was I think,
2: uh, a feat. um, well, so I would say that that's one of the prouder things I've ever done. I did do the analysis for a wage and benefit survey, because I just picked it up and had to carry that football because of the staff member that was supposed to do it just had too much going on. Um, And I didn't have time to wait for them to do the data analysis and provide that to me to do the design work um, in order to meet my deadline. So I just picked it up and did it myself and was actually ended up being pretty solid um, which is kind of surprising because numbers aren't my friend. So I'm pretty proud of that, honestly, too. And it turned out it looks really great. Um, and it helped a whole lot of people. We had almost 100% participation from our targeted industries when we went to collect that data, I think, um that year. And a lot of, like, you, if you wanted a copy of it, you had to participate. So that's it was pretty awesome because we got such great and valuable information in a market that is so uh, competitive for employees and only continues to grow in competitiveness with every announcement they make.
1: Well, it's a lot of markets right now. I mean, you look you know, from Columbus to you know the Cincinnati metro area to um, you know, going through Kentucky and then Tennessee. Uh, into you know, West Tennessee and Memphis area, and Nashville, and everything that's going on there. Um, you know, just massive announcements. You know, throughout the really the Midwest and the Southeast, and so labor is an issue everywhere, and it's going to continue to be. And yeah. um, I, I think communities who do a good job of understanding the needs of their existing industry, like you're talking about, and understanding those, you know, even doing a wage and benefit survey and helping them understand where they stack up against their direct competitors uh, for workforce is a uh, best practice for economic development organizations and chambers of commerce, whoever, you know, has to carry the football for that. uh, I think that's a good idea uh, to put out there for them.
2: Yeah, it's absolutely, it was one of the most beneficial and impactful things I know for sure um, benefited people directly. Uh, A lot of the stuff, I did a lot of press writing and event planning uh, with my role at the chamber, um, I think I, I wrote probably in the two years, in nine months I was there, I think I wrote over like close to 80 press releases. Um, I had probably done 20 ribbon cuttings and were groundbreaking events for economic development projects, not necessarily like your downtown business. That was another. Right. You're talking
1: about announced announced projects, so not like manufacturing. Projects. Yeah,
2: like big circus tents and speeches and people like Mitch McConnell showing up that those kind of big deal kind of announcements. Uh, I did a lot of those. Um, And my favorite was always the cookie platter from Chick-fil-A, because (laughs) I also was in charge of snacks.
1: So
2: you just bet I went and got that sweet tea. You got to have them snacks. And that lemonade and those deliciously
1: gooey
2: gooey.
1: we've talked about one east quite a bit in our time there so i want to jump to next move group we've been here on board ceo coo uh for just just right at six months now um what would you say is the favorite thing that you've worked on um since we started uh, here at next move group Mm
2: -hmm. there's a really because i do this is another situation where i just do so many different things like I try to bring my skill set to the table so that I can help everyone else, which I spend a lot of time um, making sure our projects are getting done, which is ultimately my biggest priority personally. Um, but getting to work on the strategic plan we're doing for the city of Bismarck or Mandan Bismarck, and the, not the city, the chamber EDC, sorry seeing where the product that we're going to have for that community and how next move group and the offerings and the product and the quality of work has evolved I think is something that we should all be very proud of um, yeah I mean I think we're going to knock some socks off of people with this presentation we do here in October when we go back to Bismarck. Um, yeah. But it's also just really, it's a really beautiful document. Like Caroline on our staff earlier mentioned, she said, when I showed it to her, she's just like, wow, it looks like a textbook. And I was like, I think that's <laughs> like a compliment. Um. I'm just <laughs> well, but
1: that's out. the whole purpose of it. You know, if you think right. about a strategic plan and what you want to accomplish from a strategic plan you really kind of want it to be a textbook a roadmap um exactly you know right. I, I, we're doing some kind of innovative things i think with this strategic plan i don't want to say what they are exactly right now um i don't, yeah. want, I don't want our competitors our to hear but we're doing our some secret. things with this that i that sort of ensures that the folks who are implementing the the strategies utilize the document uh, as they're implementing the strategies it's really sort of a encouragement piece. Uh, to continue to look at that document on a regular basis. And so, um, you know, and that's something that just comes from our experience of making sure that we're trying to um, uh, adhere to strategies, adhere to action plans and action steps and and to get the results that you want to get.
2: Yeah. I just, I'm one of those people that wants to do everything all at the same time. So it's really important (laughs) for me to have like a roadmap. (laughs) an actual plan to get things done other otherwise I end up being what is it paralysis by analysis I just end up looking at things for so long sometimes and then all of a sudden four weeks has gone by and I'm like oh no (laughs) (laughs) oh no (laughs) I'm in trouble here (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: so what um what questions would you have for me I mean I asked you what your favorite thing was for uh, that you've worked on for next move group um what, um, what do you think the future holds for the rest of our first year? Let's, let's talk about that. What do you think we're going to get into in the next six months?
2: Our next six months, I think, is just going to exponentially gain momentum. I think it maybe the best way I can think about it. Because one of my main uh, focuses when I first started was developing processes to be able to scale next move Group. Honestly, the more people we can help, the better we're, we're gonna be off, like the better off we're gonna be. And that's the way I look at it. Um, I look at the fact that if we can help 200 more people because we improve our efficiencies internally, I think um, that's definitely something that everyone can be proud of on our staff of just the impact that we we have for people that won't even know that we had anything to do with it. Um I really like that. I think momentum, really...
1: momentum is right, though. Yeah. I think you're right with the momentum piece. We were talking oh, about that yeah. maybe earlier today or while we were on the road last week or something, that <laughs> it seemed like the momentum uh, just continues to grow. And there's a lot of need out there. I mean, there's a lot of communities out there who are looking for assistance right now there's a lot of communities who need assistance and maybe they have limited budgets and you know we're always trying to brainstorm internally about how we can help small communities who may not have a big budget what can we do for them on a regular basis our movement members you know how do we continue to add value I mean there's a lot of value with the movement membership as there is putting out education and training every week but are there other things that we can do that, that we can give to our, we, we had an idea today that we talked about. And so, you know, I, I think it's cool. And I think, I think it's, I think it's good for the folks who, you know, listen to our podcast regularly and keep up with next move group to hear that, you know, we're constantly in a, in a mode of innovation, trying to make sure that we bring the best that we can to the, to the folks out there doing the work.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's only going to get better. I think, um, Especially, I know for sure. like the more practice I get at something, the better I get at it. I think that's just naturally how people are. Um, I think as I do more and more projects, I learn how to make them better and to deliver a product that is just superior to anything else. Um, I really enjoy discovering new products, even. so really, If if anyone hears this, that we even are remotely able to assist in anything, just don't be afraid to reach out because we all like new challenges, honestly. Um, I don't know that I've ever seen or heard anybody say no to take on a new new project and help somebody tackle a problem and solve it. Um, Since in the entire six months I've been here, honestly think that probably is one of our strong points. It's yeah. just that we're not afraid to try to help somebody and it doesn't matter what it is, but if we can't, we know somebody that can. That's ultimately yeah. even like that's the icing on the cake for us too. I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We we mentioned it earlier. It's uh, it's your network and understanding, you know, who can accomplish what and if there's something that we can't do or that we don't have the expertise on in house, we have uh, you know, A whole uh, Rolodex full of colleagues and friends and partners that we can work with and point folks in the right direction. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Hey everyone, I want to take just a quick minute to tell you about today's Executive Search Spotlight. It's near and dear to my heart as it is for my hometown. Kentucky Lake Economic Development is searching for a president to lead the efforts of job creation, retention, expansion, recruitment, and much more in the community of Marshall County, Kentucky. The salary for this position will be between $100,000 and $125,000, plus incentive-based bonus and, of course, benefits. I can tell you firsthand everything you would ever need to know or want to know about Marshall County, Kentucky. It's located in the far western part of the state. Borders the largest man-made lake east of the Mississippi River, which is why they call their economic development organization Kentucky Lake Economic Development. Uh, Interstate 69 and 24 converge right there in the heart of Marshall County. The industrial base is extremely impressive. It's got a cluster of international petrochemical manufacturers, fabrication companies, much, much more. Uh, They located in Marshall County to gain access to the Tennessee River, the P&L Railroad, and, of course, a tremendous power utility advantage in TVA. This community really has everything an economic developer loves. Strong industrial base, great transportation, access to major markets within a two-hour drive, wonderful quality of life with recreation on the lake, hunting, fishing, boating, really anything that you can think of. The school system is top tier for those of you interested who have children. They will receive a great education. Plus, the region as a whole is well-developed with retail, great local and chain restaurants. You should really check this opportunity out. Just go to www.thenextmovegroup.com KYLake. Yeah, you know, I'm sitting here drinking a bourbon, which I usually do when I'm, I'm talking about the, on the podcast. And uh, I want to give a hint to the folks out there. I usually do this at the beginning of the podcast. I just thought of it. So um, I'm drinking Weller 12 Year. Weller 12 Year is my favorite bourbon. And it came out in the last few weeks. So it's one of those that's really hard to get, really rare find. So your tip of the week for bourbon is Weller 12 Years on the shelves. So go look for it. I'm sitting here flipping through a book. Do you know what book I'm flipping through?
2: uh did i write take a it?
1: guess do what
2: it, did i write it
1: no i'm no. saying well I, i've I've tried to think of another thing another tip i can give besides bourbon that's actually what made me think of the bourbon um so one of the things that i was first given by chad when i went to work for him was a book called never eat alone mm. and i you know it's, it's had some new updates in different versions i've still got one of the first copies of it but There are some practical pieces of knowledge within that book that I think economic developers may not always think of because, you know, you you talked earlier about wearing a lot of different hats. And but at the end of the day, the economic developer is a person that's really in charge of marketing and networking for a community. And the, the book Never Eat Alone is really about relationship building, which you have to be good at. You know, if you really want to get things accomplished for a community. And so, one, I want to encourage economic developers out there, community development folks, really anybody who listens to this podcast should probably read this book. It's, it's Never Eat Alone. Uh, it's by Keith uh, Ferrazzi. And um, one of my favorite pieces in there that I really paid attention to from the beginning, because I've talked a lot about, you know, when I first got into business and, you know, going and talking to mentors and meeting them at conferences. There's a section in here that talks about going to conferences and being what's called a conference commando and really being strategic when you go to conferences about the type of people that you want to have conversations with and build relationships with and ask advice from those sorts of things. But I had a nice little surprise when I was flipping through the book right here. Everybody can't see this, obviously, (laughs) because you don't have the video. But this, uh, my first business card ever in economic development was used as a bookmark in this book. And so I didn't even know that that was in here. And uh, it was a nice little surprise to find it. It was, um, it was on a, a chapter called The Networking Jerk. So I may have to reread that piece and see what that's about and see why I had that bookmarked exactly. But um, do you have any books, any favorite books that, uh, you know, you want to, you would want to throw out there as something you think folks should read?
2: I do a lot of audibles. Honestly, I'm not much of a podcast person if I have to be 100% honest, but I do love a good book on tape just because of how much time I spend in the car. And it's never about anything serious. So I don't want to recommend anything to follow Ah. the leaders or would never eat alone, which I think I tried to read once upon a time. Um, In reality, though, I was thinking about one of the most important things I think I've ever learned that did come from a book, Um, but I don't want to be cliche about it, so I'm just going to say it and hope it's not cliche. It's that one of the best things I ever learned very early in my career is just to um, begin with the end in mind. Um, If you know what the goal is, and you understand what the goal is of what you're working on and work backwards to put together your plan. You can work your plan and be successful. Um, and I believe that's a Stephen Covey seven. Was it the seven? Yep. Yeah.
1: Seven habits of highly successful people.
2: Highly effective people.
1: Highly effective people. Yeah. Well, same thing. Successful. Yeah. You're going to be effective. You're going to be successful.
2: I really did just. If you want to be successful, you
1: got to be effective. That's Um, true. It's funny that that's one of the first things you learned because when I was in the private sector before I got into economic development, and I went through Strategic Planning uh, Institute uh, because that was something I was doing before I got into economic development. Um, That was actually something that I had to read. You know, that was a book that I had to read as a part of it, and you know, the organization that I was with. uh, That's how we began. Uh, All of our projects, not just all of our projects. That's how we began every single meeting. We wanted to begin our meetings internally with the end in mind. And what do we want to accomplish uh, from this meeting before we get started? Let's write down what we want to accomplish and make the most use of our time.
2: Right. And sometimes, sometimes I'll forget my own advice um, because I get too excited and I just want to talk about everything and it comes out in a jumbled mess. So um, (laughs) I have to remember my roots, so to speak whenever I go to put together my thoughts, um, one of my favorite things, because I've often been accused of being inflexible in my life, which is just honestly, probably true. Um, because I rely so heavily on planning and processes in a lot of the things that I do, just to make sure things are replicable that I work on. And, um, there's one thing that I wrote down and it's on a sticky note on my MacBook and I'm looking at it right now. It it's a quote that I don't even know where it came from. I didn't attribute it to anything, but I read it and it's everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And all <laughs> I can think is sometimes that's life.
1: <laughs> that's yeah, point. you're not wrong.
2: Yeah, um I did find a book on my bookshelf over here. Uh which is kind of interesting. It's a book I did a report on all the way back when I was in grad school in a leadership course that I took at Western. Um, But it's a John C. Maxwell book that I need to revisit. And it's called The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And I think it has one of the best taglines a book could probably ever have as far as laws of leadership and implementing uh, positive attributes as far as trying to be successful and lead a team to success and it's uh follow them and people will follow you so i think uh me finding this earlier this week probably is a sign that i need to revisit this little well
1: sometimes you got to do that you got to refresh yourself sometimes we get inundated with so much work and so much of life and this and that you know you got to sometimes it's good to take a breather and revisit some things I want to talk a little bit about your birthday. You yeah. just had a big birthday and you went and did something cool.
2: Yeah. um, COVID has kind of put a damper, you know, on doing a lot of cool stuff. But I took an opportunity uh, to mark a bucket list item off of my, my ever-ending list. But it's been a long-standing item of getting to see Pearl Jam in concert. Um, that's been on my list probably for 17 years or more now at this point and probably ever since I've learned who Pearl Jam was and I finally got to do that whenever I went to uh, Bourbon and Beyond in Louisville this past weekend at the fairgrounds Yeah, which was huge and um, I found an aerial shot of their show and just the there's like something like 41,000 people and it was a Beautiful but foreign photo given all of the craziness that has occurred over the last two years or almost three years with COVID. Um,
1: yeah. Well, that coincided with uh, the Kentucky Bourbon Festival weekend. So we had um, master distiller Brent Elliott from Four Roses on the podcast last week. If you haven't listened to that one, I would suggest going back and listening to it. I got a call about it today uh, from someone who had been listening to it. They said they loved it. And uh, uh, we talked about on there that the Kentucky Bourbon Festival is coming up. And um, Bourbon and Beyond was the exact same weekend. I I assume they do that on purpose. I don't know.
2: (laughs) Well, they might capture audiences, but also I think... They are probably two very distinct and different audiences that attend those festivals. Mm, I don't know. Maybe not. Um, I did forget that Brent was on the pod last week, so that's these are some big shoes I have to fill right now. And now I'm feeling very (laughs) intimidated. So I'm glad that I didn't know until the very end.
1: Well, um, look, very... a big, a big happy birthday to Ivy Stanley, our COO. I'm glad you had a great weekend. I appreciate you jumping on the podcast with me this week. Uh, I think it's always good for us to catch up and slow down a little bit uh, okay. and talk about what we've got going on as a company. Um, certainly, you know, if uh, the folks out there, if you've heard something on the podcast this week that, uh, you know, you want to unpack more with either one of us, you can reach Ivy at ivy ivyatnextmovegroup.com. You can reach me at Chuck at nextmovegroup.com and certainly we hope uh, that if you aren't subscribed to the podcast go ahead and do that and give us a rating we need good ratings on the podcast i think we have good ratings on the podcast i just always try to reiterate that fact i think we have like a standard audio piece we throw in there from chad too he says it at the beginning of the podcast that gets thrown in so maybe i need to go back and re-record all those too so that you have a consistent person throughout i don't know at any rate Um, Thanks for joining us this week. Uh, We will be back again next Thursday uh, with all new guests. And uh, I hope that uh, you all have a wonderful time out there and happy hunting in the economic development world.